You're listening to This Nazarene Life, stories of young Nazarene clergy and their role models. TNL is a production of Young Clergy Network, a ministry of OKC First Church of the Nazarene committed to listening to, collaborating with, and empowering young pastors over at youngclergy.net. This episode is sponsored by the Nazarene Student Center at the University of Oklahoma. Committed to sharing Christ's love with the students at OU, the OUNSC is meeting them wherever they are. For more information about the Nazarene Student Center at OU or to have them come speak to your group, visit OUNSC.org. Today on the podcast, Reverend Megan Pulowski, pastor of Dawson Creek Church of the Nazarene in BC, Canada. Thanks for tuning in. Hey, welcome back to the podcast. I'm Britt Bullerjack, and I'm here with my guest, Megan Pulowski. Megan is the pastor of Dawson Creek Church in BC, Canada. Welcome to the show. Thank so, you. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, the first question I ask everybody is, how did you end up in the Church of the Nazarene? Right. So I was born into the church. Um, I, I entered the Church of the Nazarene in the womb. Um, <laughs> the church I grew up in uh, was on the prairies in Saskatchewan, and it was a generational church for my family, for sure. Grew up there, um, and I haven't ever left. It's the church I love and, and the church I've stuck with, so, yeah. So how did your parents end up in the Church of the Nazarene? Uh, my mom was born into it also. Mm-hmm. Uh, on my mother's side, they, a long history of Nazarenes. Uh, my dad started going, I believe uh, he joined the youth group. Ooh. And uh, and so that's how he got connected uh, to the church. So tell me a bit of, about your call to ministry. The whole I want to know the whole story about your call to ministry from the beginning. <laughs> Uh, okay, well, it's it's not super exciting and dramatic, and I used to think I was lesser for that, mm. you know, that I didn't have this dramatic experience call, you know, and mm. and it was really a, a process of uh, the elders in my church um, teaching me and slowly, like, pu- not pushing me, but encouraging me uh, in different areas of ministry, and mm. even as even as a kid, they were, you know, giving me missionary books and, you know, all of the all of the contests, you know, who can bring the most friends to Sunday school. It, it all just started with that. And and as I grew up, I was kind of immersed deeper and deeper into different ministries. And mm. and especially it seemed I I had this affinity for, um, well, what was then called NWMS and now it's NMI. Right. <laughs> um, and so I thought. Uh, I wanted the exciting life of a missionary. And Mm. I'm sure many kids who grew up in the church go through that. And and I really appreciated the emphasis on missions in the church. And Mm. and so I was sure that's where I, when I was 10 or 11 years old, I was like, this is it. This is what I'm going to work for. This is what I want to do. I love people. I love serving, you know. And as I grew up and kind of got to know myself a little bit more, and, and got to know some of my different giftings too through through the elders in the church and and through you know mentorship and and that kind of thing and especially through my youth group leaders uh, when I was a teenager 
I thought, well, I don't think this is actually where my gifting is. Love missions, love supporting missions, uh, but it's not for me. And but I knew that I knew that I wanted to stay in the church. I knew I had gifts, and I knew like I had a passion for for serving the church um, and and a passion for sharing uh, the gospel with, with others. And so so I, I kind of stuck with it. And when I graduated high school. I went to the Canadian Nazarene University mm. uh, in Calgary, Alberta, mm-hmm. and it's now called Ambrose. And um, I I started out in um, Christian studies, and I ended up graduating uh, in an English program, which was an interesting transition, mm. <laughs> and not one that had, unfortunately, a lot of a direction to it. Okay. Um, Again, I, I was I immersed myself in ministry at the church uh, when I was when I lived there in Calgary, and and I was just trying to figure out like what is this, what am I supposed to be doing? Yeah. Like, what what direction am I supposed to take here? Right. And I went through that all throughout university. I was kind of without direction there. I, I felt like I was really wandering, and mm. not in my faith so much as just like. Uh, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I mm. I didn't know what the future held for me. And that was kind of disconcerting because I had had a plan, right? And I think probably a lot of us go through that. Sure. And so when I graduated from university, still had n- not really a direction and, and I didn't know what to do next. And so I ended up moving up to northern Canada uh, in Yukon Territory, which is right next to Alaska. And, uh, and I lived there, I moved there, um, to initially, I was like, Hey, it's, it's isolated, but I know a few people. I had worked there for a couple summers during my university years. And I was like, I know enough people that I can feel comfortable, but there's not all the voice in my head saying, what are you going to do next? This is what you should do. Go there, do this, you know? And so I, I wanted to get away from that and just connect with God and, and see what he wanted, hear his voice, you know, instead of everyone else's and even my own. And so I moved up there. I was originally, my plan was to stay for about six months and uh, I stayed for almost 10 years up there. (laughs) Yeah, that's (laughs) kind of surprised me too, but I I loved it. I loved the life up there and I really, I gained a mentor while I was there and that's really where I felt my call. I knew that I had a direction after spending some time up there in that church under the pastor. Norm Hagen is the pastor up there still. And and he really helped me to release the giftings and showed me how to use them and showed me, gave me some direction um, in, in how to use my gifts and, and affirmed my call to ministry also. That's where I got my local license and and uh, my district license on this district that I'm in now. Oh, wow. And um, and so once I had been in that church for a while and started serving, I was like, I know um, God just kind of impressed upon me that this is, this is home, that this is where I'm supposed to be. And so I was doing children's ministry, youth ministry, music ministry, <laughs> like everything. And, and part of that was because I had no experience. I was working at the church part-time. I had no experience, so I just kind of volunteered for everything. Sure. You know, right? As, as, young, as young, you know, lay leaders or, or clergy do. Um, and so I started gaining my experience and finding out what direction 
to take from there. And, and the rest is kind of history, I guess. I went on to get my district license, moved away from Whitehorse to, to work under another amazing pastor in, in Edmonton, uh, Alberta, and stayed there for a few years. And, and now I'm here in Dawson Creek, going on my third year. That's awesome. So what, what were you doing in Edmonton? In Edmonton, I was, again, I was bivocational. I was uh, the youth and worship pastor there. Okay, so kind of talk to me about that that transition from youth and worship there to what you do now, right? And and maybe the differences and similarities. Sure, I would say more differences than similarities. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is the first church that I've pastored on my own. Uh, up until I moved here, which was three almost three years ago now, I my focus... Uh, my main ministry assignments were worship and youth. Okay. And as I think is probably the similar to a lot of young clergy, sometimes whether they like it or not, mm. <laughs> they are the youth leader. Sure. <laughs> and uh, and that was okay. I, I loved it. Uh, I loved working with uh, the teens, and I still do. And now it's just in a different capacity. I I'm still bivocational, and I work as a high school teacher. Wow. Uh, at a Christian school here. And, and so I do a lot of worship leading there uh, and a lot of, of team mentoring there also. Mm. Um, but in my capacity as, as pastor of this church, it's a lot different than I was expecting for sure. Um, I, I do feel, um, I have learned that one of my giftings is preaching. I love the pulpit. I love, I, I just love preaching, I guess. Awesome. But I wasn't prepared for some parts of it. <laughs> Definitely. When so, my first few Sundays at this church—it's a very small church okay. in a rural community. Okay. Uh, very friendly, open people, but it was an evening service only. And mm. I remember one of my first experiences was a couple of people in the middle of my message standing up and walking out. <laughs> and when, and they did it very quietly and respectfully. And I thought, what is going on? Oh no. <laughs> What did I say? <laughs> um, and so I just kept going because that's what you do. You don't break it. And, and afterwards, I asked one of the ladies. And still, I was just getting to know these people. And so I mm. didn't really I didn't really know what to expect. And it turns out that our service overlapped with AA, which a lot of people in this community are involved in. Oh. And so they came to church, and when it was time to go to their AA meetings, they went to their AA meetings. So huh. it was a relief to some extent that it wasn't my preaching, because I was really looking for affirmation, like, is this working? And <laughs> is this partnership happening? Because it's an older congregation. Mm. I'm young, first-time senior pastor. Right. <laughs> So that was one of my first experiences. Very disconcerting at first. Oh, man. Um, but you kind of settle into it. The other thing that I had to get used to that I had never experienced at another church is while I'm preaching, people will just start asking me questions. Wow. Like very responsive. <laughs> very responsive. Yeah. <laughs> and again, it was very disconcerting at first. I was very unprepared. And I'm sure if... I think back on it now, I fumbled through some of those questions because sure. some of them were deep and some of them were just historical that I didn't know. 
And so now I come to church a lot more prepared in my messages. Like, do I know every aspect of this? <laughs> so it's been, it's been very good for me, for sure. Uh, spend a lot of time in the Word and a lot of time studying uh, context. Absolutely. So why, why do they ask questions? Is it just because it's a small scale environment or? or... Yeah. yeah, I'm sure that's part of it because we're few in number. I mean, we're under 20. Okay. We've always been under 20. And so it's a bit more informal because it was an evening service. And now we've moved it to an afternoon service, which seemed like a good idea at the time. But when you face full west and the sun is beating down and it's Sunday afternoon, you got to keep it exciting. Right. <laughs> <laughs> or you have to really engage the congregation. <laughs> and and that was part of it. They're just very, they're very, very curious. Mm. and. They they hadn't been discipled a whole lot. They were an older congregation who'd been going to church for years, and they were so hungry. Oh. And and so that's been so encouraging. So much fun to to dig into things and teach them and and learn from each other. Really. Oh, so what what other kinds of things ha- that have you done to kind of facilitate that need there for discipleship? Um, well, we meet three times a week oh, now. Wow. Yeah, and everyone shows up for everything, which is amazing. Hey. <laughs> Congregation. And so we meet on on Tuesdays. It's really our anything goes okay. evenings. Uh, we meet on Tuesday evenings, and sometimes we'll just sit in silence waiting for the Holy Spirit to move us wow. and give us an image or give us a word or whatever it may be. Um, sometimes it's healing prayer. Sometimes it's, uh, it's just prayer in general and sometimes it's digging into the word or it it's a, it's an anything goes kind of uh evening it's it's really exciting and it's it's fun to go to and so so we do that and then on friday nights we have uh, a worship night mm. where we just contemplate the word we do a lot of lectio divina kind of on those on those nights and and contemplate the word uh through worship and so we do that and then the rest is kind of on Sundays. Uh, I take requests, and so so it's like whether it's a book or a certain passage that's not understood. Lots of my congregation have been through or are going through uh, physical illness, or their mm. kids are, or you know. And so it's like, how do we line this up with the loving God? And oh, wow. there was a question that some the child, well, adult child of one of my congregants had regarding the the violence of God in the old Testament. And so I did a whole series on that. So, yeah. And so, you know, through requests, I learn what their needs are and, and we talk about it. So (laughs) it it sounds like everything you're doing is really interactive actually. Yes. And I wasn't used to that. Definitely took some getting used to. I was used to the whole worship pastor stands up and preaches and then you kind of talk afterwards and, so this definitely took some getting used to. Is everyone involved with what the, the church is doing? Yes, absolutely. If you don't have, on a, on such a, with such a small congregation, if everyone's not on board, it's really difficult to move forward with something. Yeah. Whether it's support through prayer. We have some who are a little bit older and they have trouble getting around, but they support through prayer. They bring, you know, baking or whatever, right? Yeah. Like they support. So generally, again, it's a laid back congregation and they're like, yeah, if this is if this feels like the right thing to do, 
then let's try it out and see. Yeah. And if it's not, we'll know really quickly <laughs> that we need to change directions. Yeah. What What's your favorite part about what you're doing right now, about being at this church and be their pastor? Um, I feel really free. I feel really free. And because I'd, I've always worked under other pastors who had very clear directions. Okay. Um, and they they gave you as much freedom as they could. Yeah. Right? And it's, so I've never experienced this level of, hey, if God wants me to do this, let's do this. Mm. <laughs> right? Or even if it's somebody has some wacky idea. And I mean, we had some winter service. Winter up here is a little bit colder and snowier. <laughs> sure. And, and we had some winter services outside in the front yard. We just built a fire in the front yard and had hot chocolate and sang worship songs as neighbors came by and, and joined us wow. and, and visited, right? And so the freedom to change things up, especially on Sundays, mm. um, has been really exciting for me. And to learn. I've had some failures. <laughs> and I've, I've, I quickly realized where my uh, areas of weakness were. Mm. Or, you know, I, I had no experience with office work. And so that was something I needed to learn really quickly. And, and so those kinds of things, it's exciting to learn those things uh, when it's something you care about. I don't know if I could do it as a job. Right. But, you know, when it's something you care about, uh, then, then it's exciting. What is the most difficult part about what you're doing right now? This is going to sound very contradictory. But it is constricting at times. <laughs> I know that sounds that sounds so off. No, it's uh, great. It's great. <laughs> because I have such a small congregation okay. who shows up for everything all the time, I can't ask them to do more. Oh. And I can't you can't go beyond and you can't ask them to give every single moment of their spare time either. Yeah. And so it's a little bit constricting in that there's certain things I'd really like to see this church do. And, and I know we're capable of it, but we just don't have the resources mm. to do that. Yeah. So it'll wait. It's, I feel so blessed mm. to be, I really do. And that may sound really cliche, but I really love my congregation. I've gotten involved with a second congregation um, wow. which is strange because this is a small community, but I think 70, they just celebrated their 75th anniversary. There's this little country church out in a farming community. And, uh, and so I've been going out there and leading worship every, every Sunday. And this summer I'll be taking over and I'll be doing then both churches, but, and it's again, another small congregation, but I would say, um, that that has its own challenges also. It's a very different congregation, which, mm. again, is kind of surprising. And that was difficult. But I would say, um, besides being a little bit constricting in with numbers, um, it's really difficult to be bivocational. And, and that's a challenge I have faced. But I've kind of gotten used to it because that's the way it's always been. My whole ministry career has always been bivocational. Wow. And so now it's just a little bit... It's a little bit more challenging because I'm not just serving in one role. I'm serving in all the roles um, and, and working full-time also. And taking on a second church. Yes. <laughs> you sleep though, right? 
yes, I do. I, I need my sleep. I need my sleep. <laughs> If if I lose some sleep, I lose a day, man. I, right. I gotta get sleep. <laughs> well, tell me, tell me about about bivocationality. Do do you see yourself being bivocational indefinitely for, forever? Is that is that kind of your style, or is that just the kind of box you're in at the moment? I would say it's it's a box I'm in. It's not a choice I made, but I have found that. Everywhere I've gone, God has provided a job that I love Mm. and a job that suits my giftings and my skills. Mm. And there's no stronger example than when I moved here. I didn't know what I was going to do. I was looking all over the place for jobs. I thought, oh, I'm going to end up, you know, as a gas station attendant or something, you know, which would have been fine. It's, you know, I'm provided for. And one of my congregants said, hey, just around the corner, uh, there's, a, there's a school. And I thought, that's, that's it. That's it. Thank you. Thank you, God, for providing again. And so even though it's not something I would necessarily choose or want to do my whole life, I could see that being the case. Mm. Uh, because of the area I'm in, it's rural, it's a small church, um, and even if it grew, or I shouldn't say if, even when it grows, yeah, um, I can't see that not being the case where it's not bivocational. And now in this phase of my life, part of it is because I love my job at the school so much mm. that I don't know if I could give it up. Mm. Um, although I would certainly do that if that's what God asked me to do. Would you have any advice for somebody who is going into bivocational ministry perhaps for the first time if you could kind of mentor that person and give them some wisdom what what might you tell someone like that yeah absolutely um it's all about time management for sure and that's not something I was good at for a very long time Mm. so I was exhausted I was broke Mm. a lot of a lot of time because of that um I would say make sure that you get your home time for me, it's a little bit easier, I think, because I'm single, and so I don't have the family uh, to concern to concern me. I would say make sure you get your home time. There's certain evenings of the week uh, that I'm at home and I don't answer the phone. Mm. If it's important, they'll leave a voicemail and I'll check the voicemail. And if it's important, I'll get back. But I'm very careful with how I spend my free time. Mm. Make sure you utilize the congregation's gifts. Okay. Um, when I first came, I felt very much, well, actually not when I first came here. The churches that I've been in, especially when I first start out, I feel the need to prove myself. I mm. have to prove myself worthy of this job. I have to prove uh, to everyone and myself that I can do this. And and it's ridiculous. No one, you know, no one can live up to those standards. And right. And in the end, it's like, I know that, for example, when I worked in in Edmonton as a youth and worship leader, I knew that I could do that. And yet I still, I I was ridiculous in the way I managed my time because I had to prove myself as like the best. And maybe God's not calling you to be the best. (laughs) You know, maybe God is calling you to do what you can do. Oh, that's deep. And, And so I've learned since I've come here 
I have to utilize the gifts of my congregation mm. for their sake and for my sake, mm. right? If, if people don't feel useful, if they don't feel like they're contributing, they're not going to come because that's what the church is. Mm. The church is community. And so if you rob them of that, then it's going to be you standing there alone, mm. still trying to do everything. Mm. And, and that's not what I want. Mm. So I've learned... Uh, I, and I know my congregants well enough now uh, that I know where I can push, where I can challenge, and where I need to pull back and, and let them take a moment or, or whatever it is, or ask them to try something new mm. that maybe they didn't know they could do or, or, or something like that. So use your congregants. Yeah. I don't know if that's a good way to put it. But <laughs> how, do you, how do you go about doing that? Unpack that for me. What all does that mean to you? So part of it, when I came here, people already kind of had their niche. Okay. And so I had uh, my worship leaders and I had uh, my treasure. Uh, what I didn't have were members. Oh. And so that was a little bit of a, a challenge. I have some members now and that, that helps with certain aspects of church ministry, right? Yeah. But I had to get to know them personally. Mm. and. Sometimes I'm not great at conversation. I'm really great at like the leadership part of things yep. and just delegating or telling people what they need to do. <laughs> Getting to know someone and conversing, that has proven to be a bit more of a challenge for me. And so um, I sat down uh, with them one-on-one, uh, -on -one, sometimes a couple of them at a time and just kind of got to know them. And, and I wasn't really rushed about it. Yeah. I was rushed at the beginning to run this church how I wanted to run it and do what I wanted to do. Yeah. I have my own church now and, <laughs> and all of that. I learned very quickly, okay, pull back, take a breath and figure out who this church is mm. and what their giftings are. Mm. <laughs> and so I got to know them and I talked to them and I found out what they do in their spare time, what they do as a job for their career and and what they would like to do, but they've never learned, and, and that kind of thing. And that's how you know, first of all, in what direction you can take the church, because you can't take the church in a direction where there's no giftings in that area. Mm. And, and that's something that my mentor taught me, and I'm so grateful for that lesson, yeah. um, that no matter how much you want to take the church in a certain direction, if you don't have those giftings, it's not going to go. And Wow. So getting to know my congregants was a big part of that. And uh, and I learned, thankfully, that they're all about trying something new. Yeah, let's try this. Let's see if it works. And, wow, that's great. And, and let's try this new exciting direction. And, and that's what they were looking for, I think, is some direction. Mm. Uh, and so that's, that's how I've gotten to know my congregants anyway. Mm. A little bit at a time. Tell me about them. Tell me some stories from Dawson Creek. What If you could tell me some stories that kind of encapsulate what life is like there or what life is, uh, pastoring life is like there, what kind of things would you tell? <laughs> uh, one of the words that I would use, which I, ha I don't think I've ever used before in my life as a Nazarene, is uh, charismatic. Oh! <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is a charismatic congregation. Not one of them are... Nazarene born and raised they okay. have all come from other denominations or come from a non-church background mm. and so 
<laughs> when I'm leading worship, and I don't lead worship every week, but there's been times when I'm leading, and they just start marching around. And at first, I was like, what is going on? We were singing this, like, really lively song. I don't remember what it was. And they just, like, you could see them, like, start to move. And I thought, okay, yeah, we're going to get some clapping going on. But no, no <laughs> clapping. Like, they started to move a little bit and kind of move around in their pew and then move from side to side in their pew. And soon they were just marching around the whole sanctuary singing praise. And, awesome. and they had flags, which I also had never uh, really seen used on a regular basis. Flags. And waving flags and singing and marching around the... <laughs> my little congregation in Dawson Creek. I was like, I was so excited. I was so excited. I thought, yes, this is why we work <laughs> because our spirits match, you know, like just mm. this unfiltered praise, I guess, is what I would call it. And so that, that was a new experience for me and it's so exciting. And now we have tambourines and flags and marching on a regular basis and, <laughs> Very enthusiastic people. It, it was it was very good, and so I really enjoy our times of worship. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that I would say is I've never experienced prayer on this level before. Uh, these are praying people, mm. and again, that may seem kind of cliche, but I've never experienced prayer at this level. It has deepened my relationship with God. It has challenged me mm. um, to to increase my depth and to get to know God better because these people are craving. They're just craving that meaningful prayer, not prayer. <laughs> and again, when I first started, I was like, I have to say the right things. I have to be a leader in my prayer and I have to be pastoral in my prayer. And, and I've learned that authenticity gets you a lot farther. Mm. And, and I share my struggles with them and they share their struggles with me. And, and we are a praying people. And I would say that's probably 70% of, of what we do when we gather is pray. Yeah, it's, it's very amazing. It's very exciting. For me, it's not unusual for me to leave church just on a, on a high that you get at conferences, you know? <laughs> like it's that, awesome. It's just, it's really, it's life-changing for sure. It's, it's changed who I am and my relationship with God for sure. So, so those are two things that I would say are unique. We participate in a community cleanup that they have each spring. And so different groups gather and on one day and we go and we clean up our city. And, and it, the first year we did it, again, it's an older congregation. So I wasn't sure what to expect. I thought, oh, I'll probably be doing most of the work. You know, right. I'm the young, energetic pastor here. I got to earn my keep or, or whatever. And, uh, and so we went out and we were, our job was to clear or to clean the ditches on two sides of a highway that go through our city. Mm. And so we went up one end and came down the other. And as we were going, we had um, a lady in a walker that just kind of walked along the side of the road. And every time a vehicle passed, she would start yelling at them to slow down. Wow. And she would like stand up and she was very compassionate in the way she did it. But she was very protective of our congregation, of our, <laughs> our little group of people. And eventually um, we had one of our officers, our RCMP, 
Canadian Mounted Police, they came and they parked a car and just kind of followed us as we went uh, because some drivers had complained about her yelling. <laughs> and so they came out to patrol the area for us. We were very grateful for that. So I guess that's one fun story for, for me. Um, again, just experiencing things that I've never experienced before. Um, yeah, that's great. I love that. Tell me about your journey as a single woman in ministry. Um, maybe some ups and some downs. What, what has it been like for you? Uh, yeah, definitely there has been ups and downs for sure. And there continues to be and there will continue to be. Um, absolutely. When I first started out, I would say I was more aware of my gender in the congregation than my marital status. Okay. Um, it was definitely more something that kind of called attention when I was first working in the church. I did experience some other congregations, not other congregations, but other denominations, Mm -hmm. um, say some stuff to me that at first it was, it was really hurtful to me. Yeah. But you learn that you have to be able to, to stand up for what you believe and, and to defend your faith, to defend your values. And, and so really looking back, it's something that I'm thankful for and grateful for. And it happened as um, as recently as as Easter. We have a citywide service on Good Friday, mm. and so I was asked for the first time. I'm part of the ministerial, and I was asked to bring the message uh, to that, which a lot of people couldn't remember the last time a female was asked wow. uh, to preach at that. And so, again, you kind of build it up a little too much. And it's like, okay, I can't disappoint our gender. Like, this could be something (laughs) that makes or breaks, you know, like, (laughs) I really I for a few days, I built it up in my head as something is like, the entire future of a female leadership in the church is resting on my shoulders right now. And denominations could change their beliefs because Mm. of what it was ridiculous. There is kind of that pressure there, though. Uh, yeah, yeah, there, there is that, that pressure. And so I kind of had to take a step back and say, okay, what is the point of bringing this message? Like, yeah. the point is to share uh, God's love and God's story yeah. um, with, with those who show up. And so I kind of took that perspective instead, which was a little bit easier of a burden to bear because I'm so passionate about it. And I was so excited to be asked. But afterwards, a friend of mine said to me that this older man had mentioned to her, Oh, I didn't know they let girls do this. <laughs> <laughs> I just, wow. I just had to laugh. You know, it's like, yeah, they let girls do this. <laughs> wow. So, oh, I mean, it's something that's not going to go away. It is definitely yeah. uh, an issue in the church, right? And even though uh, the Church of the Nazarene has been, you know, has been nominating females to leadership positions and ordaining women in the church since since their beginning, it's still an issue mm. that I've had to deal with. Many meetings um, at the district level, I would say more than at local level where I felt timid in giving a voice to my opinions or Mm. my thoughts. 
And that's partly self-inflicted. Yeah. Because of past experiences. Yeah. But I have, I'm, I'm lucky to be on the district that I'm on because they are very supportive and, and I have a really great DS who, who looks out for me and checks in and is just a, a good leader. And so that's helpful. I would say at this phase of my life, it's almost like I've come through um, the struggles of being a, a woman in pastoral leadership because now it's if somebody says something or somebody asks about it, like, no problem, let's have a conversation about it. Yeah. Rather than the timid, like, ap- almost apologizing yeah. for being in leadership, yeah. right? <laughs> and so I've kind of come through that now and I'm very secure in my position, in my calling, mm. in what I'm doing. And now it's more, it's definitely more dealing with the singleness, mm. which doesn't, it isn't often a problem or a struggle. Uh, but there's definitely times when it's like, man, this would be a lot easier if I had a partner yeah. um, to share this with. And so there are definitely moments um, like that. And there have been moments in the past, I would say maybe five years or so, where you're a little bit, you're, you're pushed down a little bit because you're still single or mm. because you choose to be single or because whatever, because you are single. And I wasn't expecting that. Yeah, That was, I don't know why, but I wasn't prepared mm. to feel that people were pushing me to the side or that my opinions didn't matter because of my marital status. Mm. Because that was unexpected, I think it was a little bit more hurtful. If I'd been expecting it, you know, you can kind of prepare for it and that kind of thing. And I knew going into ministry that I'd have to defend myself as a woman in pastoral ministry. Sure. And so I was prepared for that. Yeah. Having to defend why I'm not married was not something I was prepared for. Yeah. Um, To me, it's not something I should have to defend and it's not something I do defend. It's just something that is. So... There's certain struggles uh, that come with that. And I would say, yeah, those are kind of the two big ones is sometimes it would be easier to have, you know, a partner in crime, to have somebody to just bounce ideas off of and and talk to. And and so I don't have that. And I don't have that really in this town. It's a small town. And and so I have found it difficult to find, you know, a a niche or a place to fit in and that kind of thing. And so that, that's definitely something that I've just had to, it's, it's a new challenge, right? It's a new challenge. And so that's really how I, how I look at that because I'm not, I'm not, I don't feel less because I'm single in ministry. Right. I just don't. And some people definitely would have you think that, Mm. Uh, but if you are single in ministry, uh, that can also be very much a blessing and, and can be, there's a lot of exciting things that come with that too. Well, I would say for me, the number one, I don't know, maybe I should be more spiritual about this, but <laughs> the number one is that I'm free to move wherever I want, whenever I want. Yeah. I, I'm not, I'm not held down. Um, and I can, if God wants me to up and move, I'll, I'll up and move. There's not a lot to consider, I guess. There's not anybody you kind of have to coordinate that with or, mm. or work through with. And so so that's been just, I guess, the direction that my life has taken or the many directions my life has taken. Yeah. That's been a huge uh, benefit 
to being single. And the other is that, again, you have, you have a different perspective on many different issues. Mm. And, and that's not saying it's less or more. It's just different, right? Yeah. And people, I do find that people come to me, and I've had a couple of people actually comment to me that they feel very secure in the confidentiality mm. that, and for some reason, they have tied that to me being single. And I don't know why. Maybe it's because of past experiences they've had where someone's talked to their spouse who's talked to somebody else. I don't know. But just in in my time here, there have been um, a few people who, for some reason, tied that wow. to, to me being single. And I, it's puzzling to me. But, yeah, I don't know. There's, I've had a lot of fun as as somebody who can just move around and and fit into different types of groups, right? Who can hang out with married folks and talk about their kids and all of that. And then go hang out with the single ones late at night who don't have, you know, a spouse to go to or whatever. Right. Yeah. So, so I found it to be, to be helpful sometimes too. That's great. That's fascinating. I, I really like when you said that it gives you other perspectives, right? Because I think most, most preaching you hear is probably from somebody who's who's married. So I think you must be bringing some really interesting um, perspectives to the text and to your preaching, especially. Right. I would say that sometimes my focus has been different, for sure. Like, there's certain passages that... Sometimes I call it more than preaching now. It's a discussion group or something because they're so responsive. <laughs> but... Uh, there's there's been times when I think I have offered a different perspective on a passage just because of my life situation. Yeah. Um, or it could be because I'm odd and I look at things differently. Yeah. <laughs> it could be that too. It could just be my personality. I don't know. <laughs> that is great. I love it. What particular things are you most passionate about in ministry? What what really brings you joy? Wow where to start. Yeah, there. Okay, let me try to prioritize here. Okay. I've kind of slid into at first I was pushed into and now I just embrace it. Worship as a lifestyle. Okay. And um, even I, I've never been I come from a musical family. Okay. But I mean, I quit my piano lessons. And I you know, I can hold a note. I can stay on key. I know when I'm off, that kind of thing. But I'm, I wouldn't say that I'm particularly gifted in musical theory or things of that nature. Okay. However, when I moved to Whitehorse so many years ago, back in, that was 2004. I graduated from university in 2004. And I moved there in the fall of 2004. There came a time, and I don't remember exactly how long it wasn't long after I moved there that the guitar player moved mm. and they're like we really need a guitar we've gotten used to the guitar we like the guitar and I said well I'll try it <laughs> I'll give it a shot I guess because again I was starting out and I just thought I'll volunteer for everything even it. if I've never done it in my life <laughs> and so <laughs> picked up the guitar and went on YouTube and 
just learned the different chord shapes and oh man and i have i have very uh, i do not really have a sense of rhythm okay. i'm really bad at rhythm okay which is tough when you're playing guitar if you don't have rhythm <laughs> just put it down but <laughs> but here i am you know so many years later and i lead worship with my guitar like four times a week. Wow. And, and so it's been something that I've progressed at and I've learned that it's a skill uh, for some and a gifting for others. Sure. <laughs> it is not one of my giftings and I still do not play, uh, you know, extraordinarily well, but I can hold my own yeah. uh, now. And it's something that was kind of unexpected. But because I'm so immersed in worship, it's one of the classes I teach. Um, I lead, you know, chapels at school three times a week. I teach oh, wow. a class on it. Um, I often lead worship at my church. I lead worship at the second church. Um, it's become a lifestyle for mm. me, which kind of inadvertently became a passion of, yeah. of mine. I love it. There's times... I'll pick up my guitar when I'm at the office or something and I need a break and I I sing through a passage of scripture, just, mm. you know, making it up as I go or I take those selahs, you know, and, and those times where it's just like, I'll just play and worship and, and see what happens. And mm. that's that was really unexpected for me, but I'm, I love it. I love it so much now. Um, so I love music. I love uh, worship as a lifestyle and Beautiful. So I, I love that. And let's see, I have to pick my number two. <laughs> Let me think about it. <laughs> I do love preaching partly because when I came here, the people again were so hungry yeah. to dig into the word. And so I really learned expository preaching Yeah. or I, I learned how to, how to preach in that fashion well yeah. at this church. It's a lot easier, I've learned, to kind of be thematic about things mm -hmm. and find scripture that back up the theme. Yeah. Um, but expository preaching is so much more challenging and so, I have found, uh, so much more rewarding and has really deepened my faith. And it's something that I I would say that's probably 90% of, of my preaching now is expository. Mm. And I have learned to see somebody's eyes light up when they're catching it yeah. and kind of glaze over when they're not. And so yeah. I know I have to go back or interact and say, do you guys get what I'm saying here? Like, do you guys understand what's happening here? And, and again, because they're so responsive, I can, I can kind of on the fly generally take a different perspective on it and say, okay, well, what if we look at it this way instead? Yeah. Does that make sense? And, and so it's something that I really enjoy, mm. um, Mostly because I love when it connects. I love when it connects to somebody. And yeah. whether it's my teens um, or kids at the school uh, or my congregation at the church, mm. uh, you can tell when it connects. Yeah. And, and I love that. And I love thinking up new ideas. Ooh. <laughs> and <laughs> I like thinking about possibilities. Yeah. And I've been, over the past couple months, 
really researching how other churches operate mm. and how they are connecting with people in their neighborhood, the unchurched. Mm. And that has become something of an obsession for me lately because I know that our church is there for a purpose. Otherwise, it would have closed its doors years ago. Yeah. And so I know our church has a purpose. I know it's there for a reason. I know it's still there for a reason. And I know that there's people in our neighborhood who need Jesus mm. and who have not found that connection yet. Yeah. And so I love thinking up new ways to, um, to reach out to our neighbors, mm. not to get them through the doors, which used to be my goal. Okay. <laughs> and that was definitely something that was encouraged as I started out in church. Like, how do you get people into the church? Even as a kid, right? Right. right back to those contests. How many kids can you bring to Sunday school, right? Yep. A friend of mine, when she was in Sunday school, they used to get jewels in their crown every time they brought kids to Sunday school. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not solid theology, but it's exciting. Right, right. <laughs> right? And so I, I've had to kind of, and change is hard. Yeah. And so I've kind of had to learn to change that. And it's not about getting people through the doors. It's mm. about people connecting with Christ. If they can do that through something that I'm doing or saying because I'm following the will of God, then that's amazing. Mm. And so we started, uh, when I first came, we started um, on Halloween. We go out on the curb of our street and we started out, we had a little table with some hot chocolate because it's the end of October. Okay, it's cold. Yep. Most of the time there's snow. <laughs> Right. You have to design your Halloween costumes to fit over snowsuits. Oh, gosh. And, and we just stood out there handing out hot chocolate. And I remember one of the first things I heard from a parent walking by with their kid. Their kid was like, oh, hot chocolate. Let's go get some. And the dad was like, no, that's a church. We don't go there. Ugh. And I was like, okay, that's okay. There's other people coming. We're meeting our neighbors. It's fine. Mm. And jumped to you know, three years later. And <laughs> one of the first things I heard when we set up our table, now it's very elaborate. We have music, we have lights, we have candy, we have hot Ooh. chocolate, you know. <laughs> and now one of the first things I heard was, hey guys, the church is open now. Let's go. It's my favorite. <laughs> and it's like, it's your favorite? That's awesome. Aww. Right. And it's, I think it's because we're not, we're not even inviting them in or making them come in to get hot chocolate we are out there just talking with them. We're not bringing up, oh, the next church activity is. Right. We're just talking with them. If they need information, if they desire to get information, it's easy to get their hands on. Mm. Uh, we're there to connect. And so that's been an exciting thing for me. So I forget the question that you asked, but there's your answer. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, well, we were talking about what brings you joy. Is there anything else? Uh, are there other things on the list? Uh, you know, there's so many things on the list. I, I love when I'm passionate about something, I love sharing that with somebody. Mm. And I would say that's what most of my life is, mm. is exemplifying my love for God, phys like physically through actual acts of generosity and not just talking about how much I care about so-and-so, but showing them, Right. Yeah. Um, and that's something that I hope catches on because I love sharing my passions. And when I'm passionate about a song or an artist, like my students know who my favorite singer is. They know 
(laughs) that I love country music and it makes Mm. me nerdy or whatever, but you know, it's not the thing right now with some of them, but they know that I love it. And they know that I love crunchy grapes. They're my absolute favorite thing in the whole world. (laughs) And so when it comes time for report card time, that's the bribe that they bring Nice (laughs) is crunchy grapes. They know that I love them. So when I'm passionate about something, I don't really keep it in. I, I love sharing it with others. And I love, you know, sharing my crunchy grapes with my students. It's like, see why I love them? See why I love them? They're so <laughs> crunchy. <laughs> What's not to love? Yeah. And if I can get that across in my love for Jesus, mm. like my life is perfect. You know, oh. it doesn't matter the struggles that I'm going through. It doesn't matter the difficulties or the emotional roller coaster that I'm on right now. Mm. Those moments where people can see my love for Jesus just because of the way I'm living mm. uh, brings me the most joy, I would say. Tell me more about what's what's going on with you and with the church out there. <laughs> the, the church out here is just trying to find its way, I think. Um, when I first came, my goal was to get everyone on the same page. I want to make sure... We're all living on the same page, Mm. that we are living in community, that we care about each other, that we know the word, that that is our foundation, um, that that is our solid rock. And as of like late last year, I would say that we're there. We're we're pretty much all on the same page. Mm. We have conversation where we um, challenge one another. And and so I, I would say we're there. And now it's like, we're moving into this new phase, which is exciting, but kind of scary. And for me, very intimidating. Mm. Uh, Because now it's like, okay, now we move beyond ourselves. What does that look like? Yeah. You know, we have our AGM coming up and I'm going to be offering them some fairly challenging ideas about how we do church. Mm. Because one of the things we have to do, and I've found as I've been studying other churches and just the dynamics of people in this community, we can't do church the same Mm. as when I was growing up. I loved church growing up. Um, I've always said there won't be a church that I pastor that doesn't have some hymns uh, (laughs) because I love the hymns. Yeah. And, and, you know, like it or not, those of you who are against hymns, people connect with amazing grace. Sure. They just do. Yeah. (laughs) So, The challenging thing for me as a leader in the church right now is what's next. Mm. How do we do church differently that helps people connect with who we are and what we believe Mm. rather than asking them to come in, sit through worship, songs they don't know, um, maybe awkwardly shake someone's hand because you got to, you know, welcome or whatever, sit through a message where maybe they don't understand what's even happening. Mm. Um, and then kind of go home a little bit puzzled, maybe feeling awkward still. Like, yeah. how do we get, how do we move past that? And so um, I've really been in prayer uh, over the last month, especially um, asking God, like, how can we do this differently? Yeah. What is our next step? And and show us, like, show us as a church, not just me. My prayer is that when I show up to that AGM and say, okay, here's the idea what do you guys think that all of them will say, God said the same thing to me. Mm. Let's do it. Right. Like that affirmation and kind of coming together in agreement. Right. Yeah. 
So, or at the very least that they won't get up and walk out. So there's that. <laughs> there's the scale of my hope. <laughs> One of the things I've learned about that though is leading intentionally. Mm. And I haven't always been intentional in my, in my faith or in my leadership to, um, you know, I think back to my university years and I think, oh man, I wasted so much of that because I was so distracted and I didn't really know what I was doing and felt really immature and, and all of that. And so I've grown from that and I've learned who I am and what my giftings are. And now it's all about being intentional. Don't just feel around in the dark, yeah. but, um, spend your time intentionally, uh, minister intentionally, like know, know what you're doing and, and make sure you train one another, mm. make sure you, you know, I, I make a point of making sure my congregants have an opportunity to go somewhere to be trained mm. um, in something that they're passionate about because that's so important. So that's like one of my buzzwords right now is, is intentionality and being intentional. Mm. I've seen the consequences in my life when I'm not living intentionally. Mm. And even now that I'm so aware of it, there's still times when I'm like, man, why did this fail? Or why is this part of my life like not coming together right now? And a lot of it is because I'm just cruising or I'm just, you know, blindly going forward, not really thinking about it. And I would say that's one of the dangers of being bi bivocational too, mm. is you have a lot of different focuses. Yeah. Uh, you have a lot of different people pulling you in different directions. Mm. And so part of that is being intentional and only getting involved in what you can get involved in. Mm. And, and my people know, my congregants know uh, my, my time constraints. And thankfully I work for very understanding school. They know I'm a pastor, they support that. And so I get time off when I need to go uh, preach somewhere else for a weekend or go somewhere. And so that's been a real blessing, but it is definitely a danger of being bivocational is, is losing focus. Mm. And just trying to get stuff done. It's like I'm just keeping my head above water right now. Oof. And so so refocusing that. And there's been times when I've had to put, you know, paperwork or when I've even had to put some of my preaching time on the back burner just to reconnect with God, just to take time for myself, just to, you know, um, kind of get gain that focus again. Mm. When you take time away to reconnect with God, what does that look like for you? At first, it looks very disjointed and unfocused because that's generally how I enter those times um, when I need it. If, if I don't get, you know, those days of, you know, those evenings at home or, you know, a Saturday once in a while to do my own thing or whatever, then I can feel myself. I can even, it manifests physically. Mm. And this is going to sound so strange, okay? Just prepare yourself. Sure. But something has happened to me since I've been here where when I get very distracted or when I'm undergoing some sort of spiritual attack or when I'm just really stressed out, I don't know how I'm going to get everything done that I've committed to, I get, uh, I get very choked with smoke. Like mm. I smell smoke and I choke and it's like, is somebody smoking around me? And it's wherever I go, it follows me. Ugh. And that's like one of my first indications. And it shouldn't be one of my first indications because by then I'm at my limit. Right. 
Um, and so I enter those times. I'll take a Saturday often where I go to the church and I'll just spend some time doing some office work and I'll just spend some time like just whatever, like randomly doing something. Uh, and then I'll transition into reading. I'm usually reading a book uh, of some sort, um, some sort of instructional book or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll kind of read that for a little while. And then I'll know like my mind has calmed down a little bit and I'll spend time in the word. Like I find that if I don't, I really love the Bible and I love, I love gaining new insights from the Bible. But I find that when I read like day to day, it's, it's not enough. I can't really focus on, on the passage enough. Yeah. And so I really need kind of some just intense time, a period of time. So I'll take, you know, sometimes it'll be up to, I don't know, three hours or I don't know, like it'll be hours though. It'll be hours at a time where I'm just reading scripture and some of it I'm rereading and some, I'm not spending so much time on the expositional preaching part of it. Yeah. It's just like, speak to me through your word. Mm. God, speak to me through your word. Mm. So I'll spend some time in the Psalms. Uh, and then I'll go to like Isaiah or, you know, one of the minor prophets maybe. And then I'll go to, uh, something like Colossians or or Mm. something like that. And, and so I'll spend time in the word. And by that, by the time I'm done that, I'm like, I'm mellow. Mm. (laughs) I'm ready to hear from God. And my mind has been cleared of all the things I have to get done and, you know, maybe things I should be doing in that moment. And that's all gone by then. By then it's like been half a day and um, I can really hear more clearly from Mm -hmm. God and just kind of focus that time. And so, again, that might take the form of just sitting in silence. Often it does uh, take form of just sitting in silence. And sometimes it's, you know, picking up my guitar or... um, I'd like to say writing. I have, I do enjoy writing, but I'm not very good at it. Mm. And so sometimes I'll try that and, um, and just see where that goes. Oh, I totally disagree, by the way. I found you through your blog. Oh, <laughs> my blog that has been so neglected. <laughs> I'm like, who has time to write a blog? <laughs> I loved it, though. I loved it. Well, um, Megan, if somebody wanted to ask you some questions about life in Canada or ministry as a single woman or lead pastoring two places while also being bivocational, where would they reach you? How could they find you? Yeah, so the email uh, is dc, as in Dawson Creek, uh, dcnazarene at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. And and that's the church email, but it's my, I'm the only one who checks it. Yeah, And so... Uh, you can reach me through that uh, or through the website, uh, dcnazarene.com. You can leave a message on there and I'll get back to you. So, yeah, I love I, I don't get as many opportunities as I like to to interact with people who challenge me or who ask me questions where I have to, you, you know, really instruct. And so I, I love doing that. And so feel free. That's awesome. Thank you so much for your time for coming on the podcast. Hey, my pleasure. <laughs>